What? I don't understand you. Thank you for saving me, though. The Kelid looked up uneasily at the giant metal creature. Something began moving behind its eye, getting larger and smaller in jerking, stuttering motions. Ikushinen Systemic Kalituta Eropegigo Identificatio Disdaitutadamo Again, it boomed out in that ear-splittingly loud, strangely hollow voice. It raised its massive spear in what looked like some kind of defensive stance. I don't speak your language. Do you speak Hallet? I'm not an enemy. Perhaps Imprimacata is is a good thing. Identificado zero Doria. It was clearly still speaking to him, but its tone had gone unmistakably hostile. I'm sorry. I don't. As the Kelid tried again to break the language barrier with the creature, it cut him off by suddenly thrusting its spear forward. He was completely unprepared for the attack, but it somehow still nearly missed him, digging a burning groove into his right flank rather than skewering him as it had the orc, and burying itself several feet into the solid rock below him. Maybe its eye really is damaged. The Kelid rolled to his left and pushed himself back to his feet. He looked around frantically for his sword as the creature worked the spear back and forth, loosening it from the earth. Where is it? It can't have gone that far. He heard the screech as the creature finally managed to pry its weapon free of the ground. It turned towards him, its strange eye expanding and contracting again, when a hollow metallic bong sounded. And another. The Kelid slowly circled to his right, backing up towards the intense heat at the back of the boat, while also clearing his line of sight to the noise. His eyes widened in shock when he saw the orc warrior, not only not dead, but back on his feet, chuck a fist-sized rock at the creature. The two warriors locked eyes, and the orc pointed to something on the ground. The bone amulet. Gorum, good death. You run. The Kelid hesitated. The orc was clearly already mortally wounded, forcing himself on through sheer ferocity. I could do what he says. Just leave him and run. The rocks were doing nothing to the creature, just as the orc's hammer had done nothing to the metal of the boat. They clearly couldn't hurt it. But the orc could distract it and he could save himself, or he could keep fighting. A good death, huh? Sounds interesting. The Kelid looked again for his sword, but still didn't see it. As he thought about grabbing some rocks of his own, he saw the creature suddenly stagger back. As it spun towards him, he saw the large, new dent in its armor, with a jagged chunk of scrap metal sticking out of it. The boat. It's made from the same metal. It can hurt it. The creature shifted its grip on its spear, which was suddenly covered in arcing bolts of lightning. The orc and the Kelid shared one last look. They smiled at each other, and then the orc's head simply vanished as the lightning-covered spear was hurled through it into the side of the boat. This is Pot Against the Machine. against the machine. Welcome back to Pot Against the Machine, the only Pathfinder actual play that has something terrible under this big rock. 
please come and see the terrible thing. I'm your host, and here's everybody. Leave no stone unturned. That's our uh, thing. Mm-hmm. We'll call it a tagline. Geology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. There we go. Hello. <laughs> Howdy. Hey. Hello. Um, let's see. Previously on the program, the group looted some dead um, giants and um, chopped the leg off of a dead robot. Uh, had a extremely loud shouting conversation with some hill giants that were far away but decided not to go back to get their sword that cuts through metal that may or may not exist uh then they took a quick magic carpet ride flying on brixby's disc up above the tree line where they could see the smoking tower off to the south but they could also see a weird glowing clearing uh to the southeast and they decided to just go check out the glowing clearing real quick where they found a glowing rock and a nice lady. And the nice lady said that there was a horrible monster under the glowing rock and her sisters weren't there, but they were all trying to figure out what to do about the horrible monster. She didn't detect as evil, so um, the party figured it was cool to just go check out the horrible monster. As soon as Kira stuck her head under the shiny rock, uh, she got attacked by an anise hag and then... It turned into a big hag fight. And, um, the party was doing pretty well. They killed the anus hag really quick. Uh, they hurt the uh, blood hag, who was the lady. And um, the other unidentified hag, who happens to be green, is tired right now. But um, speaking of tired, Kira is fast asleep. Sent thanks to an attack from our friend the blood hag. And that's where we are now. Oh, slash thanks to just general teenagers, and as as Zach pointed out, but yeah, fifteen year olds just go to sleep sometimes, you know. It is true. Lol. Yeah, let's probably probably kill him. I guess. Probably. Just a little murder. The problem with that being that um, it's the the green one's turn, and she's still right up in Alwyn's face. So she's just gonna. He five foot stepped. Uh, you <laughs> couldn't five foot step because you're in the forest. Oh wait, that's right. So I didn't move. Yeah. Yeah, you were I hope- said, Oh yeah. No, it's okay. Someone will kill her before the next round. We were hoping that. Asher would murder her, but unfortunately, Asher only has so many bullets he can use in a turn. Um, so she's gonna full attack you real quick. Uh, call number one. Actually, actually, before we get too wild here, instead of full attacking you, she's going to take a standard action to reach out to touch Alwyn. This is a touch attack. And it is a 26 to touch. Yeah, believe it or not, that touches. Gonna need Alwyn to make a pretty important fortitude save. Night hag. For a uh, second Steppenwolf reference for this episode. Uh, that is an 18. <sighs> Nothing happens to Alwyn. 
But it is his turn. At least terrified, even by numbers that high, because I know we're getting up into the point where an 18 doesn't always save, because it doesn't save against stuff he casts. Yeah, it's fairly uh, close, but succeeds this time. Uh, and it's his turn. Speaking of... Is a nat 20 on his uh, cast offensively. Uh, so she is going to have to make me a uh, will save. Uh, that is a 26 on the will. It got a natural 19. <sighs> and unfortunately, this is one where it's a uh, suck, uh, saber suck. Uh, so he is just going to then, after failing to cast uh, Haze of Dreams on her and cut her movement in half. He is just going to uh, retreat behind Asher. He'll move his full 15-foot complement of movement, which I'm assuming would get him around here-ish. I know this map isn't exactly the scale, and she, I'm assuming, will take a swing at him. She will indeed. Um, With the fatigued penalty, that is a 25. That is still a hit. Uh, Five damage and another fort save. Right. Uh, get to find out what she does because that is a 10. Uh, well, as she scratches into Alwyn, he just feels the strength oozing out of his body as he takes two strength damage. Actually, that's not that bad for him. He doesn't do anything based on strength. It's not that bad until he stops being able to walk around. I've walked around before, you know. It's over it. Eh. <laughs> I'll, I'll cart him. Two points, you said? Yeah, two. Um, See if I am encumbered. Nope, still medium. Awesome. Is that the end of your turn? Uh, Yeah, that'll be the end of his turn. He moves his full 15 feet away. All right, Brixby. Uh, Brixby is going to uh, move over to Kira and while doing so, take that action to draw out his rapier as part of a move action standard action utilizing an aid another comparable ability is going to use a standard action to wake Kira up is that boo you were supposed to forget to wake her up I may forget all of my class abilities (laughs) but not that (laughs) and that's my turn alright Asher is up yeah uh, considering we haven't identified this strength sapping hag I may as well try a knowledge local. And don't worry about it. It's slightly lower than my failed knowledge check on Felina. So still don't know what she is, but let's find out how she feels about bullets as we take another three shots. Uh, Let's spend a grip point and focus aim. So there'll be some focused aim, deadly aim, rapid shot bullets. I'm hoping if I hit hit her more than once, I might just get that grip point right back. Well, I don't know about if I'm going to hit twice or not. Does a 13 hit touch? Uh, 13 does hit touch. Okay, then all three hit. Because <laughs> I wrote my first, my best two bab rolls were 13. And then my lowest roll was dirty 20. So then, yeah, this is going to be 3d8 plus 33. That's a lot. Yeah, I, that was kind of the, the plan. Uh, 44 points of damage. Uh, DR would come out once if it applied. 
Well, sadly for um, the green hag who shall remain nameless, she didn't have any DR to come out, and um, she collapses to the ground. Oh, and with a puff of dust and a puff of grit, Asher's grit is restored. It's as if he shot it out of the gun and it came right back. Boomerang grit, you might say. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and we'll just keep reloading for free, so keep that, keep that gun at six. All right, Kira, you're awake, but you fell asleep, fell down, dropped the chainsaw, gave up, joined the <laughs> hag side. Canonically, Kira sleeps standing up. And I know we've never mentioned it before, but... Like a horse. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll guess I'll just pick up my things, stand up, grab a, grab a chainsaw. I think, and get that running again, and that is going to be <laughs> turn. If you want to be saucy, you can attack from prone. I'm just letting you know. if Because if, oh. I just know how Kira's vibe is. You could very easily, since yeah. you're prone and your chainsaw's prone, just... Yeah, I'm just going to gonna take out a couple tendons then. Oh, if that's the case. Pop that right off. That is a 16 on the die for like a 31. Oh, and I'm sure there's some sort of prone minus. I'm sure that'll probably save for <laughs> So, so we'll, we'll, say, yeah, we'll say a, a high 20. A prone penalty, but yeah, it's not going to be enough. Great. Uh, excellent. Back to 3d6. Thank you, Zach. 12, um, 19 plus 12. 20, 31. Yeah. With some help, thank you. <laughs> um, all right, she's looking quite hurt. Didn't look like that all went through, but she's still quite, quite hurt. Uh, that's me. And um, she's gonna, let's see, it's her turn. She's gonna say, all right, all right. You've killed my sisters. You can, you can have the, the stupid magical bug. I didn't want it anyways. And she is going to full withdraw into the woods. Is anyone chasing her or are you letting her go? Because it's Alwyn's turn. Uh, how far away is she in terms of uh, actual distance uh, after a full withdrawal? She could only go 15 feet, so she's um, kind uh, of far so from Alwyn. she's Alan. going to make a fort save is what she's going to do. Oh, no. Uh, spell resistance? Because I'm assuming she is not... 150 feet, do you think? No, she's actually, not 150 she feet. She might be, okay. Um, spell resistance? Oh, actually, 180 feet. That does total level. Uh, yes, it does have that slot. So let me... uh, oh, no, she's good. That is a one on the dice. That is only an eight. And I'm pretty sure a one fails anyway, because it's a combat roll. Yep. All right. She does not get her bone shaken. Ha-ha! The only thing she's interested in shaking is skin as it falls off and she turns into a fireball. Uh, Brixby, you're up. Yeah, you know, when you do it, it should look a little bit mole-like. And he's going to try his own now. So first I'm going to roll my spell resistance. So that's probably pretty crucial. All right, 17 off the die. So 25 versus SR. 
Uh, 25 will beat SR. Is this a charm, disease, fear, fire, or sleep effect? Ooh, it is a fire. Okay. Yeah. Don't bother rolling damage. All right. Well, cool. Then I will just mark a scorching ray off of my sheet. Yeah, those scorchy doodles just, um, you know, they don't all. They practically feed her. It's fine. All right. That is my turn. Oh, actually, no. Brixby's going to share. Don't use fire. Also, we're going to find you and kill you. You. I'd rather you didn't. Nope. Um, Asher, you letting her run away into the forest? Disappear yeah, forever? Yeah, nah. Nah. Still doesn't detect as evil. That's cool. Uh, he knows better than that now. Uh, so he will move forward. So, looks like five-ish feet of this clearing, or of the forest is the difficult terrain, and then we get into the clearing and it's not. Yeah. So that lets him move to within 25 feet of her. Pretty sure, yeah, just I'm not actually standing on top of Brixbow. There we go. Yeah, if you're like by the tree line, she only made it 15 feet into the woods. Sweet. Uh, so, yeah, then we'll just spend a grip point to focus aim. Might as well make this one shot count. And a single deadly focus shot. Uh, that is a 19 against touch. Uh, 19 will hit touch, even with some tree cove. Oh, yes. Uh, that is only 15 points of damage. And that doesn't all seem to go through either. Okay. But, you know, she's super hurt and she's in the woods. And you know how it is. Uh, Kira, you're up. Surely you are forgiving and forgetting letting bygones be bygones. Uh, I mean, I might have, but then Kira saw Asher try to shoot. So now it's like, oh, well, if Asher's going after her, it's all free game. But she gave you uh, a free nap. Fifteen-year-olds uh, appreciate that slightly less than <laughs> adults do. Uh, gosh, I really want to roll over and just hurl the chainsaw after her. <laughs> but I'm afraid it's gonna lodge itself in a tree. Patrick Bateman it at her. <laughs> the natural enemy of the chainsaw is the tree. <laughs> the tree. Um, so I guess I'll go ahead and hop up and run after her. How, how does that work here? Is that, let's see, is it one of those half, half move things? Is it half my standard movement? And then yeah. probably catching up to her. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, if I can use the rest of my movement to get in front of her or, like, between, put her between me and my friends, that'd be cool. Yeah, you can basically use a move to stand and a move to get in her face. Yeah, if you get next to her at all, I think, because she can't, uh, can you full withdraw in, uh, crappy terrain? You can? Uh, It's just because it takes your standard to do an effective move, and it only saves you for five feet, Mm -hmm. so... All right, so in there, I don't think, I cannot attack her, but I will get in her face and be like, you, you mean lying person. You should, you should die now. Oh, that sounds aggressive. <laughs> die your lies. It does sound pretty aggressive. Um, so since it's clear now that um, you're not going to just let her go, because you're also mean, uh, she's going to roll to cast defensively. 
a natural 20 on that that's a big waste and um, she's gonna shoot some scorchy doodles at Kira to try to just run through her basically number one is a 19 on the die so that's like infinity uh, 41 on the blur um, 14 fire damage 14 scorchy do number two is a 30 something on the attack and a 33 on the blur they might be identical <laughs> um yes 33 is also good uh, 17 on the damage very good roll another 30 something on the final ray and a 31 on the blur uh, great great um, job all around 13 damage on the final scorching ray does Kira die no, but she does not look good. Uh, she looks like she will probably go down again uh, once we drop rage. Um, and uh, ah, I'm using the wrong tool in roll 20. Um, she probably can't get away without provoking, so. Yeah. Yeah, she's gonna chill. That's all she can do. Aloyth. Uh, Alowin is going to move 15 feet closer, and then she's going to make another fortitude save. Uh, spell resistance. Oh, actually, I got spell resistance. Hey, I think I got it that time. 15 on the die, so that is a 22. Uh, yep, that'll do it. Uh, she got an 18 on the fort save. DC 19. Oh, no. So she takes uh, full damage... And I'm not going to move her because she's next to Kira. Uh, two sixes, but also two ones. Uh, 17 points of bludgeoning damage. Um, well, it doesn't all go through, but she only had 11 HP left, and she only has DR5. Nice. So whoever edits this episode, if you could just give some, like, just absolutely disgusting cracking and popping noises as her bones... <laughs> you know, in that case, he does move her five feet directly into the chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> really making the foley work go overtime here <laughs> yeah um somebody's got a lot of work to do as their bones just yeah. get dragged and snapped into yeah. the chainsaw and oh man you play the griffin malcroy eating a banana, yeah, the banana sound, <laughs> and then you play the chainsaw sound <laughs> the chihuahua sound <laughs> oh Likes. and um the it. The fight's over. You have defeated the hag coven of the forest. Oh, I'm feeling real haggard right now. So, all right. What's on, um... What's this one? This is the anise hag? Smells like licorice. What is... What's on this one? Like loot? Yeah. I don't think hags carry loot. <laughs> I didn't think so. What about all their skin? I think it's explicit that... The only treasure was the friends you made along the way. Fair. Totally fair. That's true. But we killed all three of them. Wait, if they don't have anything on them, is it like a hag of holding? It's like in their mouth. Something. Those are bad, bad hag jokes. Really, just give me the loot so we can go. <laughs> yeah, don't make us haggle. For... Oh, there we go. Oh. Yeah, there's no loot. <laughs> just a life lesson. <laughs> You learned lessons, and you got this giant cool rock that you can Oof. still look under if you want. Yeah, oh, no, I still want to do that. We better look under that rock, yeah. I do. Uh, 
Alwyn, while you're looking under the rock, is going to cast Lesser Restoration on himself, and with a three on the die, gets all the strength back. Yay! Love that. I am at minus 12 uh, M- currently. Minus 12? Uh, he will then... <laughs> yeah, that's a negative 12. <laughs> yeah. He will then use all three of his remaining uh, spell slots in that level to cast Cure Moderate Runes on her three Cure times. just dies. Thank you. Yeah, so uh, Kira hops up from having been asleep, does this quick chainsaw thing, turns around, gives her friends a thumbs up, and then immediately collapses again. And you get a quick lay on hands from Asher, too, for five, so you don't, like, die, die, die. Love that. Just the Shadow and Sinks hit song. I appreciate that. I didn't laugh, but I appreciated it. Yeah, no, I also appreciate it. I laughed. <laughs> and did the hand I motion. I exhaled a little bit. Just, <laughs> Mm-hmm. I saw the hand motion because Zach is the only person I can see right now. <laughs> that might sound crazy, but it ain't no lie. Appreciated that too. Uh, you get fifty-three points back. Ooh. Oh, it's so many! Thank you. Okay, uh, it's, fine. it's fine. You got one of those poppy heelys that you do. You like it comes out. Oh as yeah, a he circle. can do his one d six of. The, like uh, the sandals four. that have the wheels in the back. <laughs> yeah, of yeah. Halloween loves Haley's. <laughs> oh, and that also does me, so I get to add four back to mine, too. So everybody gets four healing oh, yeah. from the uh, channel positive. Mm-hmm. That's not nothing. And thanks yeah. to that mm-hmm. new Iune stone, Asher has so much HP. <laughs> As it should be. Was that enough to get you up two things? Were you on an odd number? No, I was I was at twelve and now I'm up fourteen. Yeah. So they were probably lying, but everything here is glowing a whole lot, and uh, I don't normally say this, but it would do good for my soul to maybe check in, see if that is in fact the s- s- Star Monarch. Yeah. Can I? I'm just gonna pop that rock up. Just to, uh, uh. pop the rock. You gonna move the whole rock? Well, I mean, I don't what know else if the rock happen, is movable, Sam? but you you can climb under the rock. Fine, fine. Can't pop the rock. She can't pop the rock. <laughs> can't pop the rock. <laughs> Flip the rock over. In um, the style of the rascal thing, I just do this. And uh, <laughs> hope that it, <laughs> it's a little bit more visual humor for our listeners at home, because you've all let us know how much you love that in the past. Yeah, Zach is really bringing the hand motions today. Mm. He actually pulled out a giant butterfly marionette. It's amazing <laughs> that he had this ready. Beautiful handiwork. It's like John Cusack and being John Malkovich. Mm. It's impressive. What's <laughs> <laughs> under the rock, Sam? Um, well, if you go under the rock, it does open right up into a glowing cave of, um, it's not very tall cave, but you can immediately see like the main source of the glowing. And I'm just going to paste a, uh, oh, that's not the picture I wanted to paste. That's a meme. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Just puts the dat boy frog. (laughs) Here come that boy. 
Yeah. Um, I've pasted a picture of what lives in this cave. Um, anybody okay, want to describe in the background. what you see? This is really big doing bug it, doing it for me. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'll. Uh... So imagine the cover of "It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown," but instead, it's the Great Moth, the Great Lunar Moth, Charlie Brown. Uh, <laughs> there is uh, what looks like a Miri, and is that the Gunslinger? Maybe like the. I think it's the Visitor? Alchemist. Oh, it's the Alchemist. Uh, okay, yeah. Can't remember that that one's name. Who am I going to hyperfixate? Oh, we didn't hyperfixate on anybody last episode. Oh, oh man, no. I bet you Grumpus knows the name of this guy. Anyway, um, but yeah, so it looks like Amiri and the Alchemist in a field of um, maybe like milkweed or something. Dreams. Yes, a field of dreams, and they've built it, and wearing a baseball hat and holding a baseball bat is a giant moth. No, there is a moth. Um, on a rock. They look like they're trying to like solicit it for something. No, they're trying to commune with it, <laughs> and it's communing right back. Yeah, so it's um, it's kind of comedic looking. I don't want to say this because like Brixby's in reverence, but it's kind of a goofy looking moth. And I mean this lovingly. If you are the person who drew this moth for Paizo, I know it's like what is it? What is it? So is it on like a big mushroom, Sam? Um. I can't really tell what it's on in the picture. Maybe it's a mushroom or like a tall rock. And there's mushrooms in the picture. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it looks like a rock covered in mushrooms. But in this case, it's more it's down in this underground cave. Um, <laughs> um, this is a brilliantly colored moth that um, stands taller than most houses. With a long tail resembling peacock feathers, um, this is mechanically a huge magical beast. Um, and as we've covered in the previous episode, star monarchs are magical emissaries who protect those who wander um, and guards dreams. And they can fly through space on glowing clouds. They can leave glowing star sap wherever they go. And... Um, they're super cool things, and this thing is chilling under the rock and staring at you with its enormous luminescent eyes in total creepy, awkward silence. Hello. Normally, hi, I'm, I'm down here. I'm Brixby Redtail on the disc. These are my associates. Kira, Halloween, Asher... Um, so, uh, I assume the hags weren't your bags, so we dealt with them. Um, I, you, it's just so pretty. Like, all jokes aside, Brixby, normally who mouths off to everything, is just kind of genuflecting. Um, yeah, Brixby is just kind of stopped after the introductions and is just like, have you ever seen... Like a star up close. I think Kira can only assume that this thing is brainwashing <laughs> Brixby. <laughs> Kill it! <laughs> <laughs> Hi, um, Moth. Thank you for your help in that fight. Brix, are you good? Oh, yeah, we're cool. We're cool. And one thing 
of note is when you're close to this moth, you do feel like magical effects radiating it from it. I don't know if you want to resist them or just allow them to oh, magically it. affect you. Uh, well, any... Oh, never mind. Ignore me. This is only when you're sleeping. I fall asleep. <laughs> we cut it all. Cut all that. We cut all, all go that. to bed. <laughs> no. Yeah. Your attempts to hit the moth mix, misses Nox Burks be unconscious, and then all the magic happens to him. <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, well, the... Um, creature will sort of reach out with an antenna and attempt to make physical contact with Brixby as he sort of has stepped forward to present himself. E.T. finger and everything. We're going in for it. Yeah, um, once you make physical contact, um, Brixby can hear inside his head, Hello. I am called Long Dreamer. Who are you? Um. Uh, hello, I'm, uh. My name's Brixby. Brixby Rentil, and these are my friends. Are you okay? Did the. the ones above hurt you? They wanted to hurt me, but. they did not come down. I was worried that they would attack me if they. if they did. Or if I came up, do they remain? I mean, their remains remain. If you, well, I'm so sorry. No, 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 they don't. No, they're gone. In a spiritual sense. You're safe. All friends here. Thank you for helping me. May I touch your friends as well? I can only speak when touching. Y'all consent to the moth touch? It's necessary for the moth speech. Okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay. I don't know what's going to happen to this thing when it tries to look in his head, but sure. <laughs> the moth will totally not creepily at all, like, basically wrap wings around all of you so that you all get just the most wonderful moth hug that you've ever gotten. And then you can all communicate um, psychically at the same time and uh, she says hello to all of you thank you for protecting me from those I don't know what they were but they had horrible violent dreams uh, they are they're called hags twisted hateful creatures I don't know how anybody could want to want to harm you Look at you. I thank you. I used to live here a long time ago. But I've been gone for a very long time. When I returned, this place was much changed. There is a strange tower not far from here, and there were these creatures and unfriendly presences everywhere. Do you know anything? about these unfriendly presences, this tower, anything about this Dreamwood as it is today. We called it the Dreamwood because of me, I assume, but I have been gone for a long time. Now, these creatures, these hags, moved in um, 
while I was gone, they seeked to warp the place, but the tower confounds me. I have flown around it, but I cannot see inside, and I have searched the dreams of those inside. There are unintelligent dreams as of beasts and things, and only one person or person-like dreamer in there who has horrible, violent dreams of carpets of worms that eat flesh feeding upon the body of a man, always the same man, a, a human, an old human. The worms know him and they hate him. Every night he, they dream of consuming him. But like no one's dreaming of electric sheep in there, right? I have not detected any dreams of electric sheep, just the horrible worms. Uh, it sounds like assembly isn't here, but... Sheep would be, like, really a welcome respite. Like, it's dark. Um, well... We do our best to write the poison seeped into this land from beyond the stars, from the hearts of men and all the places where darkness is found in between. Us here, we will make this the Dreamwood again. I know you haven't asked us to, but I'm happy to promise it. If you're willing to do as you say, I can provide this cave as a, a safe place to sleep, uh, to rest and recover from any wounds you may have, can protect you while you sleep and offer some small respite. I, I could perhaps fly you somewhere if you needed to travel. I'm afraid that's all I can offer, but I would greatly appreciate if you can clear this violence and hate from from my wood. Friends, I don't mean to capitalize on all of Long Dreamer's time. I'm just... Um, sorry, where are my manners? Does anybody have anything to ask our, well, potential future host? Because these things are sweet. Do you have a bed? <laughs> yeah, it's in our rider. I sort of sleep over there, but I don't really sleep in the same way. But I could maybe make a bed for you uh, like of plant matter or something oh that's okay i was just wondering we have this thing of where we like to um share but this is plenty thanks so much for inviting us to your under rock cool. uh, you've mentioned you've flown about and seen the tower when we were traveling through these woods, we encountered a large metallic being that sought to do us harm. Are you aware of any defenses or things that seem to patrol around the tower that might cause us any difficulties were we to try and enter it? Nothing had attacked me while I was outside the tower. I did not try to enter. I don't believe I would fit through a door. 
I have no idea what's inside beside the one violent dreamer. Perhaps beings who do not dream at all. You said you used to live here a long time ago. Are you a child of the forest, Mother? I am a, a child of, of Desna. I do her bidding hmm. and fly great distances between this planet and beyond to other worlds, wherever the winds of time carry me. But this has long been regarded as my home. I've been gone for quite some time. That's interesting. I think we will take you up on your generous offer. Oh, Stavarnak, to rest down here. Our trip, our travels have been, well, they've been fraught with danger, and there's going to be no end to that. So, actually... I'd like to ask you a couple questions later. Maybe after we all get comfortable and, and sort of discuss our next steps. Um, thank you. Thank you for your offer. Thank you. All right. Well, if there are no more direct questions for Long Dreamer, I mean, I think you can sort of take your time, do what you want to do to, I assume, spend the night Long Dreamer's lair here. Uh, before we go to bed, real who who maybe fell asleep out of the last of you three? Kira's still down like half hit points, so I'm pretty sure she just went. Oh yeah, you, you're tucker. <laughs> we carried you from the car, so just rolled her in. <laughs> Which Asher would spend his remaining lay on hands to help bring you back up. Some. Yeah, um, we'll just say since Asher is helping Kira, Alwyn just sees Brixby sort of walk over and you just hear just the slightest inkling of a whisper as he says so what happens to the dreams of the dead and long dreamer says something to him and and what about those that are picked up by the living and carried the same and and that's it. That's just the, the extent of their conversation. Hmm. And uh, he just f- thanks them and goes to bed. And um, while you sleep in Long Dreamer's presence, uh, you are automatically protected by protection from evil and sanctuary so um, while nice. you're present. And you all gain the benefits of the spell Restful Sleep while in her presence, which um, it's basically the same thing as the uh, cloak would give you. You get the benefits of a full day's bed rest instead of um, a night's sleep for sleeping. So and sick. you just get so rested. You get double HP back. Ooh, yeah. You also, over the course of this night, level up to level nine. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. That was such a long dream. Ah, oh, the longest. A moth dreams are, are good dreams, I guess. Solid dreams. Mm. I was going to say, oh, Kira's yeah, going to build a tiny shrine the, out of goo tubes, but uh, <laughs> never mind. Moth dreams are good dreams because that's where the... That, that uh, God, what's that one called? The uh, 
that sleeping pill that makes you like Lunesta. get up and drive your car. Yes. Yeah, I used to get up and eat stuff out of my fridge on Lunesta. I have yeah. distinct experiences of consuming mm-hmm. uh, peanut butter yeah, with my. I remember their mascot stuff. is a moth, <laughs> and I and I just remember their commercials. Yeah, you may sleep. Oh, yeah. Eating, walking, driving. Like, it was just a list of stuff that you would <laughs> do in your sleep on this medicine. <laughs> but it had a really pretty Luna moth, so it was okay. Yeah. They do that plenty without um, any <laughs> interference. I once fell asleep walking down the sidewalk and walked into a fence. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Face that first. It's distinctly unsafe. Yeah. Um, so, who wants to roll for HP first? I can go. I don't think I've been first before, maybe. Uh, I was going to roll a d20, but that's fine. Mm-hmm. Found it. Got it. Okay, ready? I'm rolling. Uh, that's a... Oh. That is a six. Oh, better than my two. I'll take it. Anything you want to tell us about Kira's level nine? Um... Yeah, nothing major. I think an extra spell or two. Uh, pretty excited about taking the hurtful feat, um, which after the Cornigan smash feat, which I keep forgetting about, allows oh, no. an extra attack if I successfully demoralize someone. Oh. No biggie, Sam. I do have a plus 19 to intimidate. It's literally <laughs> impossible to not frighten children. Oh, my God. Yay. That's awful. Hooray. I believe I said Kira was banned from the show. You did say that, but you did nothing to enforce it. Hooray. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Who's going next? Sure. Yeah, let's roll that D6. Let me just, uh, yep, putting another another level in the whole arcane trick-a-doodles. That's a six off the die. (laughs) Thank you for roll 20. What Beats your... my five. Nice. Yeah, my last my last HP roll was garbage. That that is a pleasant come up. And uh, yeah, yeah. Since I rolled so well in my HP, I'll be generous. I'll tell you the thing I'm pretty stoked about. This is the level that the arcane trickster gets tricky spells three times a day, which means I get to apply silent spell and still spell for free to three oh. spells without increasing its spell level at all oh that's awesome yeah nice it is it's pretty nice for like the sneaky aspect of it but the whole like oh man i'm grappled or i can't talk because of silence or something is is a really cool element so stoked about it yeah that is maximum crime wizard right there oh yeah such crime crime wizard (laughs) (laughs) all right who wants to go next i could roll a d10 all right An eight. I beat my seven. Nice. Okay, I'll take it. Asher has so many HPs. Willing. So many Willing. HPs. I feel like his health count has gone up by like 70 in the last episode or two. Yeah, you got to be at 120 something, right? Uh, 385. No, that's, <laughs> that's false. No, uh, I think a number equal to... 86. Nice. Not too shabby. So powerful. Yeah, it's substantial. Uh, And 
Asher uh, decided to finally take that tri-class, getting that medium deep. No, um, <laughs> no. Uh, at long last, we've all been waiting for Gunslinger 5 uh, because one of his archetypes, a mysterious stranger, gets Stranger's Fortune. Uh, so a number of times a day equal to his Charisma mod, currently 5. He can just ignore a misfire. Like, meh. No big deal. Not even broken. Just, it's fine. Uh, so, that's, kind of a bummer. that's, that's awful. That's neat. Yay. That's illegal. I mean, um, it's cheating. Asher's that, broken and is still fine. playing. <laughs> Huzzah. Um, so yeah, that was the that was the biggest thing for him. Now you can throw away so many guns now. Mm. Wow. I, I feel like right now he's got the whole like trench coat full of guns, like somebody trying to sell fake Rolexes. That, I don't want to. I don't want to <laughs> deprive the fan art. You know. All right. Well. Um, night rolls over into day, though it's... It missed one. Oh. For some reason, <laughs> I thought second. we were... <laughs> Unless Alloin doesn't level no, up. No, Alloin didn't level up. He, um... Level down. I've been meaning to tell oh. you, you actually turned into a moth. <laughs> you are a moth now. <laughs> uh, what are we rolling for Alloin? Uh, Alloin is rolling a d6. Oh. I had a d8 in my hand. And I'm hoping you rolled higher than I did because that's a two. I rolled a one. Ooh. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> that's Brixby's level seven roll right there. A two and a one. I'm so sorry. Uh, probably not too much happens at this level. Uh, we'll see when it, uh, if it comes up in gameplay. Uh, might have had something interesting happen. Might not have. Uh, I have been excited for this level up for a while, but I'm sure that's just because I'm excited to play Pathfinder and not because anything particularly special happened to Alwyn at this level. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, again, D6. We've seen those before, so nothing special. Uh, I'm sure probably get some new spells or something. Who knows? So this is another sorcerer level. I guess that was safe to assume by the D6, but yeah. I don't like it. Yeah, probably Sorcerer. Let's go with that. But some people have been listening to us for 111 episodes and they don't catch <laughs> these things. So, <laughs> night rolls into day. And, um, oh, it is hard to tell from under the ground. But, um... Long Dreamer has watched over you all night, and you wake up feeling like a million bucks. Just the, and you don't even know what those are, but just like the best <laughs> night's sleep that you've gotten in forever. Um, even though it was <laughs> in an underground cave in the middle of a smoky forest. And in the morning, Brixby walks up to uh, Long Dreamer and says, Thank you. I don't... I don't know how I'm going to be able to repay you for that. I, I didn't know anyone could give me that. Thank you. Just does that thing where it, like, maintains eye contact and walks back. <laughs> the long dreamer stares at you with just, like, the 
vacant bug eyes. They're like, though the she's very clearly an intelligent creature. She still has that moth face. Though the eyes are just totally expressionless. <laughs> just like big goofy eyes for everybody that has not seen this. Like I, Brixby characters in reverence. Brixby the Zach is just like <laughs> that face. <laughs> So you y'all feel awesome this morning? Brixby like crushes a soylent <laughs> bottle on his head or whatever it is. <laughs> I guess a GooTube tube, which is like the fantasy soylent equivalent. Um, mm, soylent yellow. <laughs> yep. Thanks for your bug friend. Um, and then I guess yeah, remembering that she can also say words. Uh, Kara will turn to. Moth. Like, um, thank you. Good job. And then maybe leaning in just a little bit, even though this thing communicates largely. Well, it communicates in its head, I guess. Kira doesn't know how to whisper. I think my friend likes you. Good job. It would Um, blink if it had eyelids, but no, bugs (laughs) have eyelids. (laughs) But someone in our Discord might know that fact. And who is that person? Good to have eyelids. Who do you think's most likely in our Discord to know that moths do or do not have eyelids? Um, a boy Chooch. Do we have a Lepidopterist in the house? Chooch or Sam too? Only because Chooch has... (laughs) He has some random knowledge stored in his fascinating cranium. Similar to Chooch! Just say your name two, three more times. So you're really getting value out of this. As a triple chooch, it only makes sense. That was a triple chooch. I don't know, no man. There is only chooch. I only know triple chooch. Only chooch. There is only Only the chooch. (laughs) Next thing, people are going to say they don't take their shoes off. Shoe sock, shoe sock, which is obviously false. No, you. It's sock, sock, shoe, shoe. I'm saying taking off the no, shoes. Oh, of taking, course. Wait, yeah, take the socks. Totally. Where do you guys wear your socks? <laughs> yeah, I was like taking off oh, the outside of the shoes. Yeah, of course. Shoe sock, shoe sock. That makes okay. sense. Oh, okay. Yeah. That works much better. I was thinking that Zach had like those like uh, clothes shears, <laughs> like medical professionals had, and just cut the socks and yep. pulled them out. From Jaws of life. Every time I take my clothes off, <laughs> um, everything, everything's disposable when you have all that. Northwest money. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And land. Socks are single use only. Under the piles of snow is just a bunch of torn socks. Mm. Yeah. That's actually what all the Patreon goes to. Exactly. Please sock help pile. my family starving. I can't bring my sock budget in. <laughs> Buy less <No>. socks. <laughs> Someone yeah. who is good at finance. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We're going to give you that entire drill tweet between three or four separate jokes. Uh, Mike. All right. Um, so, what's the plan for today? Leaving the forest, going about off to um, Torch Peaches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, head back to Torch. Yeah. You know, on second thought, I would like that mask. And then Asher just casts teleport because he's been a wizard this whole time. No, no. You ask Long Dreamer to fly us all the way back to Torch for a shopping episode. Yeah, just a quick, <laughs> just a quick trip. The people haven't gotten that enough recently. I wonder how quick Long Dreamer flies. Just so if you were quick. to ask. <laughs> I was going to say, going judging by regular normal size moths, I'm going to guess one's super fast. mechanically huge. Depends if there's a light source nearby. 
It is called Torch. Oh, no. I think there's yeah, one place Long Dreamer light. is flying. That's fair. Just, just, oh, oh, God. No. <laughs> Does not forgive me. Yeah, does he, like, get lost and, like, Don't fly look. into the Torch? I, I'm actually curious to ask. Long Dreamer, um, hello. You mentioned perhaps being able to fly us somewhere. Uh, I don't know how quickly you fly or how everything works with your whole situation. Are you sort of bound to these woods or are you up for a leisurely jaunt to the town of Torch? Um. She'll reach out an antenna to put just like smack into the middle of um, Asher's forehead and say, I can literally fly to different planets. <laughs> the most condescending <laughs> antenna just like, just slightly pushes your hat up to touch your forehead. And it's yeah. just like, other planets. It's like, whoa, this, this moth means a sticker that says super tallest. Uh, oh, this moth is so much taller than Kira. It's 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 not even funny. Wow. I mean, Kira just like, tries to enlarge person it. just to feel better about herself. Uh, but <laughs> mechanically huge. So that was a yes. Then you could take us to, or at least one of us to torch and back. And I don't know how long that might take. I could take all of you to torch. I, you are all quite small. Yeah. I'm not sure how long that would take because I didn't look at the math, but I have a fly speed of 80 feet per round, so pretty fast. You know how it be. <laughs> Indeed, how it be. What is that, like twice? I think that's like roughly... Because what's a horse? Yeah, like so a 60? little faster than a horse. Yeah, a little faster than a horse, but a little faster than it would be to ride. Yeah. yeah. Not oh my gosh, that's road. right, as the yeah, moth, flies. The moth flies. And I'm guessing because it's a magical moth, it probably doesn't get tired and can just do the whole trip in one. That I don't know. It doesn't say anything about not getting tired. Yeah, does it have to stop to rest? She yeah. doesn't rest in space, I don't think. But, uh, she can yeah. never lose. Well, in space, no one can go to sleep. That's we true. established that. That's true. Yeah. Right, yeah. So wait, what is their fly speed? Cannon. You said 60. That's 80. 80. 80. So that's 800 80. feet per minute. Yeah. So that is eight miles per hour. Uh, so that is that's 64 miles. Oh, well, I'm, I'm using the travel speed um, ah. from the core rule book on the old archives of Nethus. Yep, that's how it's pronounced. <laughs> Definitely not Nethus. It's it's also on the archives of Nethus. If you read them, I can't um, accept but that. Yeah, no. It talks about travel speed in here. It breaks it down of speed, feet per minute, miles per hour, miles per day. And I don't even think that actually accounts for flying. That's like, I think this is land travel. And I wonder how many rounds could she, they, do a like a run action times four before becoming fatigue weight. Well, uh, it does say um, elsewhere in her stat block that she can fly through the void of outer space at incredible speed. 
Um, a trip within a single solar system takes 3d 20 hours. <laughs> oh. Okay. She can fly to... <laughs> So she puts out another condescending antenna to all five of our foreheads, and it's like, other planets. This should take me like an hour. Just, just, just wave your hand at me. No, I mean like literally. Even I, to be real though, like we're we are. I don't want to, you know, this is good moth moth related humor, but like, we don't really have a time frame. We don't have like a, we need to be here inside the choking tower by x so whether it takes a day two days whatever your flavor is yeah one hour yeah apparently like cassandalee has literally been in there for several years she's at a body farm growing other cassandalees (laughs) yeah out of her body or whatever that does at the body farm still a little unclear about that one so i would say yeah i would say based on this um each direction will count as a mechanical day um, for a long dreamer if if you want her to fly you to torch and back. Basically two total days for the round trip. Does what does the rest of the what do the rest of you think about that? As much as there's appeal to all four of us having a, a filter mask. Sorry, I wasn't waiting, shaking my head at you. I thought you were asking about going because I don't want to go. I want to stay here as much as I love the moth. I don't love being a convicted murderer much more than that. You guys remember we are like, at least I am a straight up fugitive, so I am not going back to Torch <laughs> on the back of a moth. Don't tell the oh, moth. Oh, because of the whole The whole murder. The, Duke. the whole the whole casual law enforcement murder. Oh, that we right. Zazaduke situation. No one knows we killed Zazaduke. The the butterflies ate his body, yeah. remember? I forgot about that. It, it, I mean, he probably didn't tell anyone where he was going before he left or fought, filed any paperwork or anything. Yeah. Look, what I'm saying, I thought Jeff was asking who wants to go. I think we need to go to Torch because we need to get you a mask. I love the, like, I only fail on a one that I get when I'm listening to the apps, but like, you know, there's still one on every side of the day. And this is a choky tower. And we also need a place to sell all of our crazy tech stuff that we literally only know one place that buys tech up and it's Torch. And my mom lives there. Torch is best. Yeah, yeah, and Kira's yeah, mom lives there. We can do our regular every book uh, dinner at the Smith household. Three chickens. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I mean, I guess I could go. I, re- I really feel like it, like one, I don't want to split the party. But on the other hand, I am I'm literally a murderer on the run. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can just. Bricks can just hang out on the moth. Yeah, no, like, could, this is a non-extradition-based <laughs> moth. They don't have an agreement with the grounds. She could literally, they could take you to another planet while we do shopping. Like, that's just like a regular... Oh, yeah, 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 never mind, let's go. Yeah, yeah we're gonna... Do you wanna, let's, do you wanna go uh, to Octurn? It's y- yes. really weird. Yes. Like, Enigmatic. Breathe, though. I mean... Probably that not for be, long once with it. That might be an but, issue. Oh. <laughs> Only for a little while. <laughs> How do you feel about atmosphere? Yeah, can you hold your entry? breath for 1d20 hours? <laughs> I mean, can you cast life bubble on me? Because that would be probably pretty necessary. 
That's not one of my spell-like abilities. All right, let's go to the casino. <laughs> We'd have to pay well, for they're all material components. <laughs> now, um, yeah. Up to y'all, of course. I think yeah, let's go to Torch. This is great. Town. This is an let's excellent idea. Torch. I want to go play slots yeah. with the freaking moth. Let's go. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Garmin was in town for like a week after everybody figured out he was bad, and no one caught him. All that Garmin to say, was bad the whole time. That's fair. <laughs> so, a lot of you fly on long dreamers, enormous chitinous and oddly fuzzy back at absurd speeds for literally hours on end, in what is honestly almost certainly the most terrifying experience any of you have ever had. I mean, just imagining it is is kind of scaring me, and it's a wonder that none of you fall off from sheer panic. But somehow, I won't make you roll for it, you all manage to survive the day, and the nearly divine moth picks a nice secluded spot just a little ways outside of Torture's walls, and she'll uh, make her way down for a gentle landing and, and drop you off there. And I think after a, a few minutes, you for you to climb off the moth and recover yourselves and confirm that you remember what being on the ground feels like. Uh, Kara absolutely, you know, says a, a hurried goodbye, drops the bag of holding on the ground and takes off sprinting towards town and, you know, her house where she lives with her family. Well, goodbye. <laughs> it's pretty much just how it goes. <laughs> and as always. Um, so I guess as we arrive... Uh, Brixby turns towards the squad and is like, uh, so I'm only like sort of cool with walking around in here because, uh, well, um, puts his hand in an exaggerated stage whisper place, the murder and all, but, um, I'm, I'm thinking I'm gonna maybe just hang out near Long Dreamer for a little bit. Yeah, if, I don't know if y'all want to go into town and we can just touch base right here where I currently am with the giant, you know, deific emissary moth. I have this image of Long Dreamer dropping us off on like the top of like the black of the mountain with the silhouette of the purple fire going up and you just see this epically huge moth and then his little rat <laughs> I'll be right just here. a little silhouette <laughs> yeah I just like the idea that uh, Brooksby thinks the best way to lay low is to hang out with the giant moth that suddenly appeared in <laughs> I mean I can make a quick moth based getaway it's it's really I mean it's better than the disc have you seen how fast the moth can go yes we just rode on its back all the way from yeah, I guess the that's forest. true. <laughs> oh, to be fair, you probably didn't really see it while you were on it. That is fair. Hmm. But but yeah, I think I'm gonna um, take a beat here. Maybe Asher, uh, a word. And he sort of motions for Asher to come down like a tiny rat godfather. And Asher does. Thank you. I, um, do you mind, you know, maybe you, you're very perceptive, and I, I think you could really, like, you know, get a feel for the 
how wanted am I for murder thing um, in town. <laughs> Absolutely. I was already planning on popping in on Dolga and seeing if there were any repercussions of Sazaduke's disappearance. I certainly hope we didn't cause any trouble for the town and for you. I'll be sure to be very discreet. And I love out of character that my like giant plus five perception compared to Brixby's. You're like he's very you're very perceptive. And Asher's like, oh yes, I am. That's two whole ranks, but think about the distance penalty from up here on the mountain all the way down to Torch at about even south. <laughs> Perhaps and uh, Asher would make sure that Brixby has one of the walkie-talkies since they have quite That's a range. Incredibly wise. Uh, Wow. Sky uh, metal. Asher would... <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, Asher will keep uh, the third since we never picked up the other from the rock, the hill giants. That's a, it's a bummer. Yeah, no, they still have the other one. <laughs> yeah. Canonically. <laughs> uh, They've been playing bluegrass into it ever since we gave it to them. <laughs> well, thankfully the distance, uh, I think we've exceeded that. Yeah. So we'll have our own private channel. Yeah. I'll be sure to let you know if I hear anything. I'll use some sort of phrase like, you should flee town. They're coming to hunt you down for murder. I knew I could count on you for both <laughs> your discretion and your use of euphemism. <laughs> uh, listen, uh, Long Dreamer, if it makes the whole murder thing better, uh, some, some butterflies aid him. You might be related. That is very interesting. <laughs> I wonder if I know them. Yeah, let's have a long cutscene. Hunting them down, <laughs> you and I. <laughs> An entire episode of just Brixby and Long Dreamer trying to find the exact butterflies. <laughs> And it's just Sam saying, is that one? And me being like, no. Uh, but be safe. Uh, and, um, you know, keep an eye on Kira if you can. Do a little folk dance by the window or something. Just a nonchalant window folk dance. <laughs> just a cash yeah. window folk dance. <laughs> Just your normal dance by the window. <laughs> your normal window dancing. Like window shopping, but much more casual. Yeah. <laughs> Just go to tie in my booth boots right outside their window. Speaking of, uh, I noticed she left the bag with all of those things you said we couldn't sell in the other town here. Maybe... If you're going to wait here, Asher and I should go sell all that so that we have money to do things. Capital idea, Halloween. <laughs> yes, the fourth mask that we will purchase from Vargas's love interest. It does cost quite a bit of gold, so it'll be useful for us to sell these items that we don't intend to use so we can buy a mask that may save my life. And, you know, 
Not to be selfish. All of our lives. Oh, uh, uh, that just reminded me. Uh, since we did just level up and Kira did leave the bag sitting there, can Alvin pull that sword out and give it a uh, attempt again? Yeah, let's all... Let's oh, all give it an indeed. attempt. Let's give that an attempt to do. Could be sitting on like five million platinum worth of sword for all we know. I'm not even in roll twenty. Yo. Hey, hey, Sam. <laughs> will you will you roll a d twenty for me and add Is this 16? Arcana? Uh, it's engineering. It's a tech item. Oh, sweet. That is a three oh, on the die uh, th- for uh, something very low because my engineering is not very high. A ten, so he has no idea what it is still. <laughs> my apologies. That's a seventeen for oh, a plus. I got 17. you a twelve on the die for twenty-nine, I believe. <laughs> got to look up this item nice. now. It's been so long. I had a twenty-five total, so that beats me. This- Sam with the hotness. Kind of, it was a bastard sword that like canceled out spells or something. Isn't that what it did? And it turned off tech. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't learn all of its properties, something I believe. That was. What did I say? Like, we got saw what 29. He did with it. 29. Doesn't actually hit the DC <laughs> on this thing. Oh my god. <laughs> we still don't know what it is. Oh no. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. All right. Well. I think it's it's so it's like a stick that glows. So I'm gonna call it a glow stick, and that's what it does. Roll sense motive. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> no, I I believe you. I wonder if we couldn't just take this in a non-threatening, concealed within the bag manner by Joram Kite and and see if one or both of them might be able to identify this for us. If I recall, they certainly both have a lot of engineering knowledge. It's true. Just make sure there isn't a mechanical tie on the mechanical knob oh, when you go by there. <laughs> the kiss, it's gross. Well, I think it's beautiful, but we we'll agree to disagree. <laughs> Brixby goes into great length about why he thinks Joram is not a good kisser. Bringing up specific uh, (laughs) phrases from the uh, Book of Poems to prove his point. That's very much Pod Against the Machine After Dark material. (laughs) Yeah, uh, there's something about an alchemist and Botox, and it's just, it's not not pretty. (laughs) But it is beautiful. Uh, So I guess... Asher and I, or Asher and Alwyn, uh, suddenly I'm there somehow. Oh, uh, hello. <laughs> Your voice uh, sounds familiar. Great mustache. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> uh, yeah, so do we want to stop at uh, them first and see if we got to identify the sword and then go to the uh, shop, to uh, Inkrit's shop after? Yeah, I mean, I think we can hand wave the actual shopping. Hand wave we've going done a lot of that. Yeah. yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> oh, uh, Alwyn, before you go, uh, we didn't impart an incredibly important element of shopping in Torch. 
Be sure to never do anything nice or heroic or mention your past altruistic exploits on behalf of society and Galarian as a whole because you will be charged the premium everywhere. <laughs> oh. Okay. So I shouldn't talk about how we saved the town of Idenvey from those horrible monsters or anything like that? I mean, unless you hate Muddy and want to get rid of it. It is very confusing. Yeah, like Torch may just be a chaotic, evil-aligned town. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> just hate heroes. Yeah. It's just hardcore um, Abadarans who just really hate <laughs> heroes for some reason. Come yeah. back here when you've kicked a pig. <laughs> <laughs> I just so happen to have kicked several pigs lately. <laughs> If we mention our friendship with Evil Dave, uh, we might get. Yeah, I, I want to know what that voice that's like. Is this an NPC like Pork Punter that we're gonna meet someday? That was my Asher. I think voice. it was supposed oh. to be Asher. <laughs> my, my very extremely good Jeff impression. I adored it. <laughs> my bad. Uh, but now I want an al uh, an anti paladin named Pork Punter because I'm sure that's the like. Um, basically the name of the iconic anti-paladin right i don't think he has a name <laughs> he has one now <laughs> <laughs> anyway don't be a hero but yeah <laughs> i'm just imagining sam's like you see an old woman getting mugged alwyn's like a glitter duster that's it <laughs> <laughs> don't be a hero i hope you don't have bones <laughs> oh god! Oh no, this is level nine, Allo, and he's got much worse spells he can cast on right now. <laughs> oh no! I shuddered. Bone to Shaker Two, the sequel. Oh, that would be Bone Shatter, and that's a little ways off. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I was, there is a stronger version, but it's not. I can't use take it until like level eleven. Yeah. <laughs> I had it in um, Serpent Skull with my awful sorcerer who was just the worst for any GM to deal with. <laughs> uh, so, you, Asher and Alowin, I think, make their way into the Temple of Bry, where um, it's the end of the workday sort of thing at this point, so things are pretty quiet here, but of course the um, workshops in the back are always a flutter with activity, G-rated activity. Before, before any lines are crossed, um, yeah. G for <laughs> gears. Like Kite's heart is always a flutter now that Dinvaya is here. Yeah, uh, you find uh, Dinvaya and um, Joram in the back, hard at work on some sort of machine, and uh, don't make a face. <laughs> they can't hear the faces we're making. <laughs> oh, they can. They they both stop and they say, "What was that face?" So he talks like her now? Oh, they, they, yeah, it's, it's kind of an accent creep that happens. Joram oh. <laughs> will turn around, I think, as you come in and say, Oh, hello. How, how are all of you doing? There's only two of us here, but we're doing very well. I expected four. You normally travel in a, a larger group, but the others aren't dead, are they? No, Kira went to go see her family, and Brixby's playing with the moth. Is, is that a euphemism? 
No. <laughs> Although it is a religious experience. <laughs> However, it is good to see the two of you. I hope George has been all right since we left. That's, you know, it's been all torchy and whatnot. That, um, what's it called? That, uh, gargoyle, um, he left, uh, around the time you all did. We haven't seen him since, which, that's good. <laughs> I'm glad to hear he's not causing any trouble for the town. <clears throat> completely unrelated to that gargoyle in fact we have came across a rather interesting piece of technological weaponry and I was wondering if you two might be able to help identify its properties uh, because canonically he had what like a morning star or a mace or something by his door we didn't know anything about this sword until he engaged in combat with us. So it's not like he was walking around town swinging it like a drum major. <laughs> well, to be clear, he had the, the one weapon in his hotel room. He probably had the sword with him. I mean... <laughs> probably. Um, we can go... We can play back the tapes. I never heard anything about a sword. Maybe he had disguised weapon cast on it, Maybe. and I just thought it was a raincoat. He had a chihuahua just hanging from his belt. Just the one silent chihuahua. <laughs> yeah. Like all chihuahuas, notoriously silent. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah, Asher <laughs> pulls out this bastard sword that we had definitely filed off the serial number and the property of Sazaduke um, while we were you know, camped one night. You remember we all did... Uh, sharing that and uh this this weapon seem like something you might be able to help us identify i think the two of them uh look at it and um i don't think joram's face really changes as he's looking at it he's just sort of looking at it from a science perspective and he doesn't necessarily recommend it but um Dinvaya, her face kind of turns red when she sees it. She says, uh, I'm not going to ask you where you got this, but I would advise you to put it away <laughs> as, as quickly as possible. This is, um, I believe they call it a null blade, and it is a signature weapon of the Technic League. They guard them very closely. It's it's made of adamantine and no qual, and it it's not space technology. This is something that they invented. They control all of these swords. If they know that one of these is at large, they will come after it. So we give it to Kira to carry around <laughs> instead of uh, Ethel. <laughs> well, wow, that is. Certainly unexpected. Uh, and if you need me to roll a bluff, I can. Uh, but beyond its association with the League, are you able to glean anything of its capabilities? 
A null blade is a potent fusion of magic, advanced science, masterful weaponsmithing, and other things as well. Um, it <laughs> is effectively a plus one construct bane bastard sword, uh, but using it in this capacity does not consume any charges. The blade's strange alloy penetrates hardness as if it were made of adamantine. Well, it's actually a, an adamantine alloy. Uh, it can be activated as a swift action. When it's active, a shimmering green field of energy wraps around the blade and disrupts magic and technology alike. The weapon's enhancement bonus increases to plus two, and in addition, the first time in a round that an activated null blade strikes a creature or object, it consumes a charge and targets the creature or object struck with both dispel magic and discharge. Um, any technological item damaged by the null blade in this way um, will glitch the next time it's used as if it were time-worn. Whoa. <laughs> and that's wow. only while it's activated? Yeah, that's only right. while it's activated. That's making sure. And it, it consumes a charge every time it, um, yeah, exactly every time right. it hits, basically, if it's active. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if it's got the field active on it. That thing's awesome. God, that thing would have been so useful in so many fights that we've had between him and that <laughs> if we knew what it did. <laughs> I do think that um, Dinvaya, I hopefully made it clear that you cannot sell this item. <laughs> no, no one will buy it. But we can disguise it. Yeah, I was going to say, we're casting Disguise Weapon on it. We're prying Ethel out of Kira's hand and selling that instead. <laughs> we're giving her that. Uh. Well, we'll be certain not to wave this around town. I appreciate that. All of that information. Um, uh, Joram, I think, got red in the face as uh, Dinviad explained what this was and he was like oh yes you do stay safe we um we care about all of you of course and uh the others too um deep deep feelings and i i don't know i'm not very eloquent when i'm nervous it's you know it's just don't get yourselves killed thank you i know when you put pen to paper you're quite the wordsmith and sometimes it's harder in the moment when conversational, but we will take care. We appreciate your concern. <laughs> it was nice seeing both of you. Uh, yes, nice to see you all as well. Both as well. I keep saying all, because I'm sort of defaulting to this idea of four, even though I can clearly see only two people. When he looks at us, he sees like a transparent, like Brixby and Kira and Vargas all kind They're of just hallucinating the others. <laughs> He's just looking yeah. at the roll 20 splash screen and sees all four of our party tokens. Uh, so I think uh, next thing would be we uh, just dump every all of the other tech items that we have in the bag onto uh, uh, Ingrid. Uh, countertop and just goes money please <laughs> uh, yeah and we can hand wave that part of it we've done a, enough shopping stuff lately um i just know we get that and give her that 
give her that stuff, grab the, uh, whatchamacallit? Filter mask. The mask. Yeah. How much money can I get from all this loot I got from being a hero? Oh, wait. Oh, oh no. 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 I stole I mean, this from stole an from orphans. <laughs> <laughs> all right, half off. All right. Asher would never steal from orphans. <laughs> That's true. And now that we've finished our little bit of shopping, Asher will bid a fond farewell to Alwyn for the time being, as there's a place he wants to visit by himself to be alone with his thoughts. Asher surveys the house that used to belong to Garmin Ulrith. It's been a little time since it was vacated, with dust and more than a cobweb or two accumulating around the entryway. He sees the head of a nail jutting out a little from the wall. I wonder, he muses to himself, did this once hold up a portrait or some decor, perhaps? But he pauses a moment and takes off his hat and hangs it on the nail and begins to walk slowly through the empty house. A rat scurries away, reminding him of Brixby and Vargas, when the former almost lost his face and the latter was still one of his traveling companions. Asher sits down upon the dusty couch and puts his head in his hands. Nobody disturbs him. He's not in a rush, so he just sits. And then he starts to speak. Caldera, I left home with merely the pistol on my hip and a few rations in my backpack. You have provided so richly for me and for my new friends. For that I thank you. I am so very lucky. I came here to Numeria to see what truth there was to the tales of strange technology and creatures, and I have not been disappointed. He smiles, but his brow creases with concern. There's a man in this town, Connor, although just between you and me, that's actually not his real name. But he adopted a young girl named Val, a girl whose childhood was stolen, whose life was threatened, and the man responsible for that is still out there, unpunished, not having to answer for this and his other crimes. And then we hear about this Fergus Shoud, whose secretive pursuits have poisoned an entire forest. If I may be so bold, I ask that you continue to grant luck to me and to my friends as we seek to put an end to the threats of this Technic League. This town of Torch, it's a good town with good people. And there are many, many other towns like it that are being robbed and beaten down by the people in power. They're bullies, and I know that's something you're opposed to. He looks around at the empty house in his hat hanging by the door. Perhaps in time, I might hang my hat here for good feels like there's a lot left to do, but I must not despair. My people have a saying. V'yash vu ish tahat gafno, v'dahat ta'inato, v'ein maharid. Each man will sit 
under his own vine and fig tree, and no one shall make him afraid. Perhaps I could grow a vine and a fig tree here, if I'm so lucky. Okay, so at this point, you know, the sun is going down behind the Black Hill, so you've got the sort of orange and purple glowing, and, um, outside of town, in the nice, quiet little alcove in the Numerian Plains, Brixby's just hanging out with a giant moth. What What's going on in this little campsite? So, Brixby has been, uh, while his friends have been gone, he has been quiet, but kind of sort of in awe of Long Dreamer still. Like, one of those moments where, like, Long Dreamer's just doing moth stuff and looks over and Brixby's kind of like staring at them. Not in like a weird way, but in a like, you are just amazing sort of way. And like then just goes back to kind of writing. So mechanically he's been he's been doing a scroll or or two while he's been up there, some some cash utility spells. And after a long silence, which I imagine Long Dreamer has no issue with because they're just doing moth stuff, uh, Brixby turns to them and says <clears throat> so uh does does she ever talk to you do you ever hear the song of the spheres and um long dream will will reach out with a antenna or probably more like an arm and and put it on Brixby's shoulder, this gigantic moth arm, and say, not in words so much, but especially when I'm out there and Long Dreamer's like looking up at the sky, the the song is, is so very clear out there. But she's always here. And you can always hear her, especially when you sleep. She's present in every dream. He takes a second and looks up at the sky with like a saying glance and sort of gives Long Dreamer that fixed stare that you afford someone after they impart some pretty much deep and resounding wisdom on you, right? And he says, I asked you once, <clears throat> do the dead dream, or more importantly, what happens to the dreams of the dead? Do you know? I don't think that those are who are dead create any new dreams, at least none that I can find. Perhaps there's a world of dreams attached to the boneyard or some other afterlife that exists beyond what I can see. But the dreams that they had when they were alive, they're still out there. There's a, a whole plane that stretches on infinitely, just growing whenever anyone sleeps. Do you think... Do you... <clears throat> he starts to get choked up a little bit. Do you think we could 
We bring these dreams to life in the way that we live. Is there, can we, can we carry these dreams on? And the moth thinks about it for a bit with its giant glowing <laughs> eyes that just, like, no matter how much this thing says, like, its face <laughs> looks super vacant and, you know, bug-like. Kind of derpy and just like... And, <laughs> um, and eventually she says, um, oh, perhaps it's very different from me who can walk through the dreams of of anyone nearby but for you who each dream can be a separate thing a, a new world for you each time you go to sleep perhaps you can carry the dreams of others with you you can solidify them and with the power of your belief I don't see why not. The the rules of dreams are malleable indeed. Thank you. I know I'm not in a position to ask you a favor, especially one like this, but this evening, could you visit my dreams? Could you, could you tell me if you hear the song there? Her song, I mean. I shall do that for you. Thank you, my friend. Brixby... <laughs> like, using all of his strength, realizes he cannot remove the giant bug arm <laughs> from his shoulder. <laughs> Tries to keep it really casual, like he was just readjusting his just situation. slowly being crushed by it <laughs> he's just like leaning further further and further <laughs> to the left until it just slides off naturally he's like oh god oh, oh. <clears throat> anyway thank you my um friend I uh um I don't believe that well I didn't believe that this sort of thing happened but I think I'm meeting you at just the right time. And he turns back to continue to scrawl scratchy, ever more Vargasy things on his scrolls. I think Halloween, uh, because he knows we're probably going to be in town at least one more day, so he doesn't have to worry about like fatigue or anything and doesn't have any spell slots he has to get back is not actually going to go anywhere to sleep tonight. I think he's going to kind of just wander through town, maybe head in the direction of Charlie's and see if there is like, well, if they're open and he can head on in. Not that he eats chicken. He's pretty much basically a fruitarian, but just because he wants to hang out and see the chickens. So I think even though it's like getting on towards sunset at this point, now that we're done with Kite and everything, he is going to head off in that direction while uh, Asher heads towards the foundry and uh, 
Bricks and Kira are doing whatever they're doing. So I think as you approach Charlie the Lizard folks, uh, it's pretty late by now, and you see just the lone halfling, of course, impeccably dressed, but a little bit dirty just from a, a hard day's work. Uh, he's just coming out of the store and um, about ready to, to lock the door up behind him. Uh, and Alwyn, he's got kind of a lot on his mind, but he, uh, as he gets within 60 feet of the <laughs> doorway uh, and can actually see it, uh, he kind of smiles and walks up and just goes, Hello, are you still open? I was actually just about to close up for the night. Oh, that's strange. Uh, what do you do when someone wants to come and get a chicken at night? Uh, they read the sign, then they come back in the morning because I don't work 24 hours a day. You're so strange. You're always up in the day. But I'm sure there are plenty of people that'll come at night. If they do, I suppose they walk away chickenless. Which is very sad, of course. Everyone deserves a chicken. Everyone does deserve a chicken. <laughs> if you want, my friends and I are in town for at least another day. I can keep the store open for you at night and, and he kind of looks over towards the pen near the back of the store. I can watch the chickens for you. He's going to take a second and uh, he'll roll a little sense motive check. Just... This isn't some cockamamie scheme to steal chickens, is it? No, of course not. And it honestly, like he wouldn't try to steal one, but he <laughs> is planning more to just kind of sit in the chicken pen and try to get one to come to him, which they absolutely are not going to do rather than he is going to keep an eye out for customers. <laughs> so I don't know if this sense motive, if it's like a good one would get that, like he's more interested in playing with the animals than he is running the shop. <laughs> uh, well, I think Charlie's um, incredible sense motive because, you know, he's naturally an inquisitor of, of the chicken God. Um, he, <laughs> After a second of like doing the narrow eyes and looking up at Alwyn, who is just a sight to behold, say. Hey. And I will say, uh, he does have his hood down because he <laughs> he kind of feels a little more at home in torch. Uh, <laughs> so like this is this isn't like weird lumpy head hood could be weird might not be weird Alwyn. This is like the long hair and the weird like voidless eyes and the black teeth <laughs> just totally normal stuff yeah um so he'll say well um i suppose it can't hurt uh, just um leave any money that people pay for the chickens um inside but probably there won't be any customers Good luck to you. Thank you. And I think you'd be surprised. I know back in the colony, everybody liked to do things at night. 
And I think Charlie will wander his way off into the night, maybe casting <laughs> the occasional... not taking his eyes <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Cast yeah. the occasional and... glance back at Alwyn and just get yeah. more and more confused the farther away he gets. Jin Alwyn uh, goes inside, relights the candles... Uh, maybe if there was like an apron or something with the Charlie's logo on it, he puts it on over the top of his uh, cloak and his robes. And a little paper hat yeah. with the Charlie's logo. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like a, like a uh, steak and shake, like one of those little paper sailor hats. Put <laughs> that on, and I think he'll stand behind the counter for a little while uh, to see if anybody comes slowly getting more and more antsy to go actually check on the chickens. But I feel like he could maybe make it like an hour or so if anybody comes in in that amount of time. Yeah, I, I think the residents of Torch are generally pretty used uh, to Charlie's closing <laughs> down. Um, yeah. And I don't think anybody would even think to yeah. come get a chicken in the evening. Yeah, I imagine like maybe one or two people walk by and like look at the window, assuming he just left the lights on by accident and keep going after what then he'll uh, go up back and just attempt to like, he just crouches down sort of like how he was on the day that everybody found him. This kind of crouches down. He's got some seed that he grabbed out of the storeroom and he's <laughs> trying to get the chickens to come to him. And I imagine they're just like huddled up in the opposite corner. <laughs> well, they're all roosting at night because you know, yeah. chickens. Oh yeah, true. They're probably like all inside a hen house. <laughs> He's just standing outside the hen house looking for Lauren. Yeah. <laughs> I do think uh, as he stands there, I think he'll kind of, after the chickens don't come for a while, he'll look up at the sky. I imagine it's probably close to full dark now if it's not full dark. Uh, and he turns and looks in a direction which even though he can't see anything more than 60 feet away uh because it's night he knows perfectly that he's looking in the direction of his old home and he just kind of smiles contentedly to himself and just has a very pleased mindset like he doesn't seem super bothered by any of the stuff that's gone on like not the way you would expect someone to be that's kind of in between world saving missions right now like we are like he's just kind of oh, this is fun I'm glad that I came to do this I think after a while then he'll go back inside wait to see if anyone comes again and I think he'll just kind of repeat that like about every hour or 45 minutes or so all night going inside or outside and he's exhausted the next day mm-hmm yeah, he is not in a good shape the next morning because he probably gets about two hours of sleep. And I think with the very capable four, or whatever they're calling themselves these days, um, all separated in their various different spots throughout the city or town, maybe sleeping, maybe hanging out with their families, maybe talking to moths, maybe talking to chickens... I'm going to bed. Good night. Uh, Good night, Sam. Sam. Good night, Sam.
Machine is property of Network Against the Machine LLC, all rights reserved. Pathfinder and the Iron Gods Adventure Path are property of ISO Publishing. See their website for more details. Theme Against the Machine was written and performed by our own Zach. See the show notes for additional music and sound licensing. If you enjoyed the show, we encourage you to leave us a review. Neutral acquaintances at best. What episode is this? Is this one? One one one. Eleven. Just hit one. Is this a for fun clap for my own track? Um, yeah, I'll keep that in. For anybody that has to do any kind of crafting or anything. <laughs> yeah, we can figure out the specifics yeah. of it. Um, Which I'm assuming you probably can't do on the back of a moth. Why not? Traveling like Mach 4 or however fast this thing is going. It's it's pronounced Moth 4. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could so craft on a card. You could craft on a moth. It's... I don't know about crafting while flying like that. That seems like a little much. Uh, yeah, yeah. No craft I... fly. When the Discord so live, so it counts. <laughs> Join the Discord so we can make you uncomfortable. <laughs> can we just name the app that? <laughs> I wasn't gonna have the name drop just to join the Discord so we can make you uncomfortable as the episode title. But if you want to be real specific, let's, let's elevate this hyperfixation to a point that is concerning. <laughs> yeah, the next one, you know, like this one's for you, Grumpus.